0: Well, there you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. Today's guest, it's about as real as they get. She's authentic, she is emotional, and she is on a serious mission of advocacy for those who are suffering from post traumatic stress, high anxiety, depression, and other emotional issues stemming from things like that. She's a mother, she's a military spouse. And she's also a retired United States Army officer, combat veteran. And I'm humbled and I was humbled and, and, and honored to have her on the show. And I really appreciate you for listening as well. Thank you. you steely-eyed killer, shadow in the night. You were born to fight. My name is John Krotek and I want to welcome you to Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic. We're empowering. We're American. Save us all burn it down. Our guest for this episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio is retired Army combat veteran military spouse, and mother, Annette Wittenberger. Annette is a serious mental health advocate. She's also the founder and CEO of a wild ride called Life and the Veteran Story Project, which we will hear more about. By sharing her story and those of others dealing with post-traumatic stress, anxiety, and depression, Annette believes she can put a serious dent in reducing mental health stigma and suicide. And I know she's on the cutting edge. She's got her own very interesting story that many of you will be able to relate to. But I just got to say, I'm super excited to have met her through LinkedIn, but particularly here on Straight of Combat Radio. Just good morning and welcome, Annette, to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Well great, you know, humbled and honored and let's just jump right to it. I know you've got a lot of good things cooking. I know your story touches the heart of me and and I know if it does that it's going to touch the heart of millions of people out there. But tell us a little bit about the Wittenberger household or maybe your maiden name, I'm not sure, but tell us about your household and 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 you know who your mentors were and and how you grew up.
1: Well, let's see. I grew, I was raised in California. My mom raised my brother and I uh, by herself, really, as she was trying to get her bachelor's degree. so she was working and trying to get her degree. and so we we had a strong role model. She's very strict with us, and so anything we did uh, that we didn't think she knew she knew. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's how i I grew up with that i when i was and I, I went to an all girl Catholic high school, actually, she had seen. Just some things, you know, that kids do and what they went through and how they grew up and she's like, Nope, you need to be in a strict environment and I did that from seventh to twelfth grade and I had a friend who enlisted and I was like, Wow, I was taken back. I was so I don't know, just it was just amazing to me and Although I was not ready at 17, I had a recruiter at my house, and I was sitting there, and I was about to sign the paperwork, and I was like, yeah, maybe not. So I wasn't ready, but I, you know, I went to junior, co- I went to a community college. Um, I fast-tracked through that, and when I was looking for universities, I specifically wanted one that offered the ROTC program, because I started to learn more about it, and I figured, okay, let me, let me try it out. I'll do the three years. Uh, I've you know, I'll do the training, and then I met my husband my senior year, and I decided, okay, well, let me let me do this. I got uh, commissioned as a chemical officer, I um with the branch detail of military intelligence. Um, so my whole three years actually ended to be over seventeen. So I just I just uh, took it one year at a time because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life and when I was a first lieutenant I was pregnant with my daughter and the time came for me to decide am I going to say chemical or do I want to go MI and I I declined MI because I was in Germany and she was young and or right I'm sorry she she was she was already born I didn't want to leave her uh and go back to the states and do the training so I stayed chemical and I and you know I There's, I know there's a lot of stereotypes about it. We get made fun of because there's not a lot going on with that, but um, I learned a lot. I was given many opportunities to work in different areas in the army. You know, I, I learned about personnel. I learned about training and deployments and equipment, and I held various positions. Company commander was one of my favorites. Battalion XO was amazing, so I... I was given a lot of opportunities by my leaders and I learned from my peers and soldiers and COs. It was, it was insane. I learned so much that, you know, it changed me because I was this shy girl growing up who tried to please people, but then I ended up being tougher and more self-aware and as I became a mother, I that's what we taught our kids. That's what we still try to teach them. And so, hopefully, I'm doing a good job being a parent. But
0: well, um, let me ask you this: <laughs> let me ask you this, Annette. Did you have any military history in your background with family members, or th- was that in your background?
1: You know, I I wasn't raised around any, but I did find out later on in life that I had a grandfather, my dad's dad. He served. Um, in Peru, I didn't know him though, because he passed away when my dad was 11. Uh, I also had an uncle on my dad's, my dad's sister's husband. He served with the big red one. And I didn't know that till maybe 10, 15 years ago. You know, I I wasn't raised around it and I I really didn't know. So it was even made it more of a, just a life changing experience for me, knowing that I had that in in my background. But, you know, I, unfortunately was, I was just, I just respected them even more, but I, I wasn't raised around it. So yeah. I was really the only one that joined. And as a female, my father was not, he did not approve of that. Oh, what's well, you know, it, <laughs> it, well, it's
0: it's kind of funny because, you know, you mentioned chemical. My MOS was chemical. I was an NCO and and yeah, people did make fun of us. But, I, you know, mop <laughs> level four was not much fun. And, no. you know, all those decon missions and all that was, you know, was there was there any one thing in particular, though, in your training when you were going through officers training? Was there any one thing that any instance, any example that pointed out to where you went like, holy cow? This is serious and and this is America. Was there anything like that that happened to you in your training? You know,
1: when we we did go through live nerve agent training and we had somebody pulled out because it accidentally touched their face, whatever, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, they're not playing around. Because, uh, you know, when you go through the training, you're like, yeah, yeah, we're we'll just, just going through it, motion. But, no, that was kind of – that was – eye-opening because i i knew that if this was happening in real life that could have killed her that that was an eye-opener but i think the the biggest thing for me were the deployments that right there just all the training the mindset everything that it made sense once i was overseas
0: so what was your first deployment what was that all about
1: I went to Iraq as a company commander. Um, I had two young, they were three and five then. And that, that was hard, but exciting. It's just all these mixed emotions. I, um, I knew that, you know, my job was to take them there and bring them back without losing anybody, personnel or equipment. And that was, that was stressful. It's a different kind of stress. You have a different kind of family when you're overseas and you have to, your mindset just changes. You don't have the same responsibilities that you do at home of paying bills and doing all that. You're focusing on something totally different. And that that was... What year uh, was that? What
0: year was your first deployment? 2005,
1: 2006.
0: So you were right in the thick of it. Wasn't that the... There were some interesting things going on in Iraq then.
1: There was. Fortunately, we were... Our mission was different, and so we weren't out there like some other units were. Uh, so we, we focus on, on on other things, but um, it could have been worse. So,
0: so was there any was there anything in that first deployment that you can think of that that stands out? You know, something that maybe changed your perception of the world, or you know, uh, or, or of yourself, or the people that you worked with, or uh, of America. Was there? Can you? think of anything that may have done that
1: the things that we take for granted i think that's since it was my first time over there without having running water every day or um you know going on convoys and stuff like that you see you see different things that make you appreciate what you have more because you know we've had people that complained or you're going to find something to complain about, but we had to take showers with bottled water. It, you know, there's little things like that that are like, wow, <laughs> I really need to not complain about what I have at home. Cause right now we're burning water or not, burn, we're, we're heating water. Or we're using bottled water to take a shower. And we have somewhere, you know, we were living in a, in a, um, uh, I can't even think right now. We were in Hardstead, so we weren't even in tent. So we really, We were living in luxury compared to the other soldiers that had to live out of tents. So it was little things like that 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 made me appreciate what I had.
0: What do you think kept you focused over there?
1: Oh, gosh. The soldiers. We had soldiers that it was hard on them. Uh, They had stuff going on back home, and you had to keep them focused because they had to go on missions. So you had to make sure that they were mentally able to be there and focus on what they needed to do. That's hard. That's hard to tell somebody you can't really think about home. You need to think about what you're doing here because they were, you know, they're young, they're newly married, and new kids, and that kind of thing right there kind of hits hits you right in the heart because you got to change their focus.
0: Even you, as the leader, and that you know, you know, you had things going on back home too. You had, you know, a husband and a child, and um, so you had to not only talk the talk but walk the walk too. And so I'm sure it was tough on you as well.
1: Yes, yes, because my husband deployed six months after I did, so my kids were without both parents for a uh, six month period.
0: And who watched so was, your kids while well, that took place? See, those are things that we don't even think about as, you know, as now that we're civilians. But, you know, people that have children who are in the Army, that get deployed. You know, what happens to their kids? How did that go I,
1: down? Yeah, I was, I was so lucky. My mom left California and moved to Texas just to help with the kids. She got a house. Nice. And and then you know my father in law he ended up being there too so he was helping it was just like we we got so lucky having that support system because not many people do they have to send their kids somewhere else they're you know they stress about who's going to watch their kids we 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 got really lucky with that
0: well you know you talk about multiple deployments you know and in today's day and age most of our servicemen and women have had multiple deployments and its effect on. Um, the human psyche doesn't go unnoticed. In fact, it's the it's it's the talk of the town for the last several years, you know, with post-traumatic stress and and uh, all the things that surround that. And, you know, military sexual trauma and, you know, things that that really do affect people at a uh, serious emotional levels. How many deployments did you have Annette?
1: I had two. My second was was my second one was to Afghanistan.
0: So, and how how was that one? Did you have any effects from the first one, or or did you not have time to think about it?
1: I mean, I did. When you come back home and reintegration, that's um, that was a lot more stressful than I thought. You can't just come home and jump right back into things. And a lot of people don't understand that. You know, my mom was like, "Okay, you, this is what you got to do with the kids," and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, slow down." I just got back and I need to
0: decompress. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But she didn't understand that. So that was hard to explain because she's like, well, I did it for the past year. Well, I, I, you know, I know, but it was just so hard to explain. Um, So that, that was rough. But, but the second one, uh, that's where we lost a lot of soldiers and I was right in the middle of it and seeing, you know, the, the, the job that I had, uh, I was able to see more of that. And it just, that one, that one was the hardest. Um, And
0: what did you see? What was the main differences between Iraq and Afghanistan? What did you, Uh,
1: the, the mission that my unit had was a lot different and they were in the thick of it. They were out there on, uh, on foot doing convoys and, the, the places that they lived, we had soldiers spread out all over the place, and I was able to go out and see that, and, and that was rough, too, because I wasn't able to see that much on my first deployment. The second deployment, I was able to see, and they were living in the mountains, and they were within sniper range, and just, just stuff like that was like, holy crap, this is real. This is like, I, I, I don't know. I never, I never got to see that, you know, and then just going on, um, flying out to the different areas and, and just seeing what they were doing. It just, it hits you. It hits you really hard. And then uh, when you when we lost soldiers and all the procedures we had to go through, that just, it just happened so fast. And it was just so, it just, it, it was just rough. It was really, really rough. And it, I have, um, my friends are now they those are their soldiers, and every year you know we, we remember the anniversary and it's just it's just really tough, really, really tough
0: you know can you tell us anything in particular that you might have seen in Afghanistan that again made a huge impact on you personally
1: i I think one of the soldiers that I had worked with, she lost her husband there and seeing, hearing what had happened and everything that went with it. I think that that's, that really, that was the hardest thing to see. Um, You know how she had to get notified. I just, little things like that. Uh,
0: Would you do this over again?
1: I don't know. I, I don't know. I um, I love serving. I love the sacrifices that we do because we love our country and to keep everybody safe. But this one, it was hard, and I I don't know because it really affected me later on, years later. Um, I, that's a tough question. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's an honest answer, you know, and certainly understandable <laughs> under the conditions that you described and, you know, and and there is a great joy in knowing that you, I don't know if you want to call it joy, but there is a a really nice feeling knowing that you have made a commitment to defend the country. And, and then you don't realize what that really entails. And when you see things like you've described, you know, it makes you certainly question, you know, would I do that again, or, you know, what, what is this all about? But so what year was that, was that deployment in (laughs) that? 2007-2008. Two
1: thousand seven, two thousand
0: eight. So you kind of went back to back deployments in the thick of both theaters of war, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so then you came. So then you transitioned back out of that one, and this time you had how many children? Still one or two or?
1: I both of them. I have. Yep.
0: Okay, so then you came back again, back to the states. Was it still Texas or no?
1: Yes, back to Texas.
0: Tell us a little bit about that second transition. Sounds like it was a little bit tougher this time.
1: Yes, that one was a lot tougher. Um, I actually, I don't remember. I think I wanted to do more. And for some reason, I volunteered to be the casualty assistance officer and casualty notification officer. Mm. Um, I, I volunteered to do that. I don't know why. Cause that was really hard.
0: <laughs> well, you have to I, go um, tell people that their loved ones been killed in combat.
1: Yes. And then I had to help them get through it. But that was, I felt like I just, I needed to do more than just sit behind a desk for some reason. And it's not that my job wasn't important when I was reared attachment, because it really was, but I, we needed someone to do it. I volunteered to do it because I felt like I just needed to do more. And that was hard too, but it gave me a different perspective as well. It's just so many things with deployment and doing that that just, God, it just changes you. It just makes you appreciate what you have really. And it's just, it's just very sad.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that it is. Is there any, you know, when you did that volunteer job, which has probably got to be one of the toughest the things that any human being could do, you know, telling another person that their loved one is not going to be coming home. Um, Was there anything that you, maybe each it's, maybe it's case by case, but was there anything that was pervasive? Maybe the reactions from people other than complete devastation and sorrow. Was there any kind of, was there, is there anything about that process that people need to know?
1: Well, I mean, I was yelled at and cursed at. And, it, you know, it's just, and you have to, I had to remember that they were just angry, not just, not at me, but at the fact of what just, you know, what she was just told. So that, that's hard um, to try to, I mean, I did break down, not in front of her, but in the car um, after the fact, but, you know, we're just... It, I think they understand it. They don't hate the people that have to go to their house, but I know that we need to, they, how do I say this? It's the pro. It it needs to be done. The pro we're just trying, you know, I know they're not just, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to get the words right. Um, it's a hard, it's a very hard thing to do. And you have to have the right people to do it. I, I'm not, I mean, I am an emotional person. So it was really hard for me to keep a straight face for, for that length of time. But, um, we have to be, we have to also respect that if they're going to yell at you or hit you or whatever, it's, it's devastating. So we can't, we have to go in there with this complete different mindset to be strong for them. You know, even though we're the ones telling them, they're the ones who lost the person. So it's just a, Definitely I, I understand why we get that training. It's but in the training it, it you know, it, it is case by case. You can go in there, someone could be Oh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. I'm I'm messing it all up. It's just it's no, such a difficult
0: you, to <laughs> doing great for this. It's tough it's tough material and you know, these are the things that people need to realize that who are listening that you know we are just human and, and as humans we get faced with some pretty challenging things and we all know that when we raise the right hand and we swear this oath that especially um, I'm a non-combat veteran, so I don't pretend. I mean, who knows what would happen if I ever went. But, you know, we know that there's that uh, there's that chance or that risk. And these are the stories that need to be told because it brings it all to light, and makes us realize that we are just human and we're dealing with some pretty tough things. Um yeah. what made you decide when did you make the decision to leave the service
1: well uh, unfortunately i was not selected for promotion to lieutenant colonel and i was given the opportunity to continue service and uh, you know the reserves or the or the guard or to do early retirement and after i contemplated i th- for like a month, and talk to my family, and do that. I, I I decided to to do the retirement. So that otherwise, I would have still been in. Uh, I would have served out the full twenty years. But you know, it's it's okay now. I, God had a different plan for me, and so that's what I'm uh, trying to follow through with
0: and you're and from what i can tell you're definitely on the cutting edge and you're out in front which is you know probably tic- typical of the United States army officer. And <laughs> what was the transition like though? I mean, so you decided to get out did, were you satisfied with the out process? Did, did you get enough?
1: Oh, i don't think so, but you know, it, it, and i think you it has to do with mindset as well. I Had a very hard time. I wasn't ready. I was mad. I was sad. I was angry. I was, I was all those things. So when I was going through the motion, it literally was just going through the motion. I, you know, they did did that processing, and they try to help you out with resume, and they, you know, they don't try to drag it on too long. So it it has to do with that. You have to be, you have to be mentally. willing to accept the transition process. And I, unfortunately, I didn't. And I I hate to admit that, but I was, I was filled with so many emotions that, you know, I just wasn't ready to do it.
0: Well, was that what spawned you to do what you're doing now? Yes. (laughs) Good. Well, good. then? I'm sure it did. You know, it's not a trick question, but, uh, a Wild Ride Called Life and The Veteran Story Project. Tell us about those, Annette, because they both seem really intriguing and, and very needed and instrumental in helping people survive some of the hardships that you went through, I'm sure.
1: So for me, I decided to start writing as I was filled with these emotions because I did not know what else to do. I Before I was supposed to retire, I had a plan in my head on what I wanted to where I wanted to work and I was trying to lay the groundwork for that and it didn't work that way so I as I was in my depressed state of mind I started writing and I was writing for myself I didn't want anybody to know cuz I was actually kind of embarrassed um but then I started talking to former soldiers and I started letting it out and we started, we, we noticed that we were having some of the same feelings and I said, you know what? I, I think I need to just come out with it. I just, I'm not even going to hide it anymore. And as I was trying to decide a name, that's where it came. A wild ride, life. La- life. I don't even know. It just like came out of the top of my head. I was like, you know what? It sure shit is. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's true.
1: <laughs> this week. Weird- It really is. And I created a website and then later on I hired a veteran to, to help me with it. But that's where the blog came from. And I've had people, you know, say, well, why do you have to put yourself out there? Why do you have to talk about that stuff? And I say, you know what? I don't, because I'm not the only one. I know there's somebody out there that's feeling the same way. And if I could save them from suicide attempts like i went through then i'm gonna do it and i can't be embarrassed anymore so my family knows my cousins they all whoever's on facebook and follows me they know it now and that's it i mean this is it and instead of me sitting here years ago suffering from it and crying all the time and just being so like boohoo me i said nope I'm living with it now. This is it. This is part of who I am. And I'm just going to try to help people because I can't, I can't sit here. I need to be a role model to my kids. They're old enough now that where they've seen me go through these emotions, but I want them to learn that you can, you can get through it. It's not going to hold me back to where I'm going to sit in my room and cry all day. I'm going to get, I'm going to cry for a minute and I'm going to get up and I'm going to say, okay, Let's, let's, let's get after it. Because I, you know, I have to teach them that. I, I can't let them think that it's wrong to feel that way. It's okay to feel that way. You just got to remember to get up the next day and, and continue. You can't let it consume you and take over.
0: Well, well you know, so that's. You know, and that you raise a very good, you know, that your friend that asked that question, why do you want to talk about it? Well, you know what? Thing that I learned was that if you don't talk about it, it gets worse. And if you have leadership traits and capabilities and skill sets, and even though you're suffering yourself, if you have these skill sets, then you're basically robbing the planet of of uh of making it a better place is the way I looked at it you know of course, when you and I talked a little bit about my own personal story, but you know all of my stuff forty two years of nonsense that I kept hidden in a dark place came out with with a with a traumatic brain injury in an automobile accident that had alcohol related and what I learned is is that uh, we can still have an effect and it's kind of you know i it's traumatic to talk about it. It's traumatic to go through it, but it's so therapeutic when you finally do let it out. And the joy that one feels when they know that they've been able to relate to somebody that's been through similar, but to also help them is just incredible. um, Can you tell us a success story of uh, somebody that you've dealt with through one of your stories?
1: You know, I, I have a friend from high school. She, um, She's she's retired from the police department, and uh, years ago, she finally told me about her PTSD story and how she, she can't really talk. It's hard for her to talk about what had happened and why she ended up retiring, and she has told me that I have saved her, and I... I didn't, I didn't know that until, you know, she told me I didn't know that um, me talking about it so much helped her get through some of the most difficult times. And that just hits you because you just don't know who's watching or listening or reading. And there there are people out there and when they when they, you know, I get messages on Instagram, you know, saying I needed to hear this today and I'm watching you. I might not comment, but I'm watching you. That that really hits you. And that's what really gets me through each day is knowing that, you know, there, you might not have a thousand followers. You might not have all these people commenting, but they're reading it. There's people out there reading it. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible so i have to keep going i can't you know i I can't stop i'm not gonna stop but just those two right there with my friend and then you know strangers messaging me is like that just makes me cry
0: (laughs) well no i get it completely um you know, some of the buzzwords that are out there these days, and, you know, there's more because of the digital age, we can put out so much information, but like the word resiliency and the word gratitude, you know, we're hearing more and more about this. And I was talking to a fellow out on the West Coast who said that the, the next leadership in business are those leaders that have had the courage to uh, to be authentic That's another one, authenticity, you know, and to come out and to not only use their skill sets through their trauma experiences, but also those other things that can that can pull it all together. So, you know, and that the emotion is really nice to see because it it makes it real and 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 people can relate to emotion. And you're so freaking right When you start to talk to people, there we have much more in common than than, than we than we have uncommon, and uh, this whole human experience. And uh, you know, here I am, I got a prayer circle out back, and I can tell you, anybody listening, I've dripped gallons of tears out there, and guess what? I'm not shy to say so, you know. Uh, trauma does interesting things to, to different people, but you know, if you don't let it out and you don't talk about it and you don't have people like Annette Wittenberger out there telling their stories, then you feel like you're alone. And people like you who I admire highly, you make me realize how, how important it is uh, that we're not alone to know that. So thank you. Well,
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, you so, so
0: yeah, I, I'm, i support everything that you do tell us about the veteran story project tell tell, tell what's so, going on there
1: well so i started that around the same time i had a another friend who i served with um that i admired incredibly he was my peer but he was also my mentor really because uh, he would just give me the no and that you're sucking right now um he would not hold anything back and it was hard to hear but. He told me, he recommended that for me because I wanted to get stories out there. I have so many friends that they want to tell their story, but they don't know how. And so I'm I'm solely helping them with it. It's when they're ready. And, you know, I have one friend who submitted something and I need to get that out there. But that's really for them so they can tell it either anonymously or not. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm helping them share it because there's so many things out there that we don't know about that the world doesn't know about, and uh, that's what I'm, I'm doing. I'm helping them, helping them share their story. So that's that's what was supposed to be the uh, outcome with that. So that's that's still a work in progress, but it's not going to go away. It's going to be there.
0: So how can people support you?
1: They can. Email me, read. They could call me, they can message me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and I'm there. I'm always there on all those social medias. A wild ride call life, a wild ride called life at gmail.com. Um, but I check it every day, so I'm always available for anybody who needs to talk or submit anything to me.
0: What's your website, Annette?
1: A wild ride called
0: and your email, as an is Annette there, or is it wildlife? A wild
1: ride called life at gmail.com.
0: Okay. Is there, okay, and uh, is there a special hotline number somebody can call?
1: They could call 573-326-9448.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a couple of things. I'm not done with you yet. Uh, it's all good. But let me, let me ask you this. You know, what does freedom mean to you? And do you think freedom is available to everybody in, in the States?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Freedom is being able to do stuff like this, voicing our opinions, telling our stories. It's just all about how we want to use that. Um, I think freedom has been available to everybody. Some people might abuse that by just getting a little bit crazy. But uh, I think overall, we all have it. We're able to do whatever we want, really. So
0: That's true.
1: I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It's all how you perceive it. It's all about how you use it. You just need to be smart. But we all have freedom, and that's what we have to remember. If it wasn't for, you know, soldiers fighting for it, we wouldn't have it.
0: That's well said. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, what do you want non-veterans, the civilian population, to know about veterans and specifically combat veterans what would be the message you would give to those folks
1: i think they need to be open-minded and that's the hard part we have so many out there who don't agree with what we do but or what they do but we're doing it and we chose to do it and if we didn't choose to do it we wouldn't have anybody out there so you need to you need to be open minded. We uh, we go through a lot. We don't just go over there and play around. I mean, it's serious business. We're losing soldiers, losing lives. or you know family members are losing it. You don't you really don't understand all the the sacrifices that are made. And so you need to, regardless if you agree with it or not, it's happening. And so you really need to be just just appreciate it because if it wasn't for that you wouldn't have what you have so I just think it needs to be respected if you see a little old man with his Vietnam hat on oh my gosh I just want to hug them because they've been through the worst of it and they're still around to tell their story you really should learn from them they have so much to tell and so you need to respect that Um, it's a hard thing because you know, my dad didn't really agree with it, but he accepted it. And he just ended up praying for our safety. And that's really what you should do. Just pray, pray for their safety, pray that this will end one day. Just have an open mind.
0: I love that. Pray for the pray for their safety. So let's say I'm a transitioning combat veteran male or female doesn't matter and I'm in that dark place and things look like hell and I don't know what I'm going to do next or if if I even want to be here. What advice would you give to them in that?
1: Definitely talk to somebody because trying to go through that alone is the worst feeling because I did that. I kept it myself. I didn't want to tell anybody. I thought my life was over. But once I started talking about it, it just, I knew that I had so much more to live for. It's hard to find your, your niche once you're out because you spent so much time. It was like the army was your life. But you have something. I, was talking to, I'm a mentor on Veterati, and I was talking to a a transitioning soldier, and he just did not know what he wanted to do. And we started talking about his passions and what he likes and his interests. And he found something. He found what he wanted to do. Now he's going to work towards it. And that's exactly what we all need to do is we need to talk about it and look within ourselves. There is something in us. We are here to continue our story and our purpose. so. If you feel like you're lost, I I totally get it, but talking to somebody to find your drive—that's what's going to help you. Because you're not alone, and you're gonna make it. I sw- I promise you're gonna make it because I made it. I didn't think I was gonna make it.
0: That's definitely some great advice. Um, if you were going to leave behind a legacy what would it be and what would you want people to know your kids as well about Annette Wittenberger
1: that I didn't get up, give up and that I kept fighting fighting for all of us to find that light at the end of the tunnel I'm going to say party lights and I'll t- I can tell you a story about that but there are party lights at the end of the tunnel you might not see them right now but I promise you they're there
0: yeah, I got to hear oh. the story. You'd put it out there. What's the deal? <laughs> I'm going to
1: put it up. Okay. I, my daughter and I were in a very traumatic car accident last August mm-hmm. where she, she ended up breaking her leg. She missed her first semester of college. I've had six surgeries. I was in the hospital for five weeks. It was doctors didn't even know how we survived. It was that bad. My sister-in-law Came, I was in Texas and she was a few hours away. She came up immediately and she brought me these strands of lights that she hung in my hospital room. And she lit, she turned those on and I got to see those every day. And that's one of the things that helped me get through it. Every surgery I had, or every time I had to get poked and prodded and Whatever the case is, I got to see those. And so now that's our thing. Those are the party lights at the end of the tunnel that I didn't think I was going to come out of. And I survived it. And that's one of the other reasons why I'm so passionate about this, because I've been there. I was, didn't know why we were in that car accident. I didn't know why I survived, but I did. And so that's it. You're going to see it. I promise you. <laughs>
0: well, thank you, you know for sharing that and uh which makes me realize that you know um you mentioned it earlier and that you know purpose and obviously it's pretty pretty much out there God has a purpose for you, and you're definitely you're definitely making a huge difference, and you know you have such great strength it's very admirable um so you, do you have like a, an Annette Wittenberger quote that you've made up or that you like that you can relate to that that sticks out in your mind that, that also is part of that driving force that keeps you going?
1: I have two. I heard one months ago, and I was like, that's it. That one is my mess is my message. Everything that I go through is... Yeah. I have gone through it so I can help other people to tell my story, to tell your story. That one was incredible. And the second one is it is okay to not be okay. It absolutely is. And that was hard to hear. It's hard to live by sometimes because, you know, there's days where you're just like, this is it. I'm so done. I'm so over this. But, it's okay to feel like that. You you just need to remember to get up. You just need to keep getting up. So it, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to feel like you're failing. As long as you remember that you just have to keep going. And yeah, it just those two our mess is our message. And it is okay to not be okay
0: i love those two you know i could definitely relate you know well i gotta tell you in that you know you're you're you know you're very inspirational you're you're emotional you're authentic you're real you're strong you're courageous and you're helping people people that we don't even know that are like you said they're out there listening and all i can say is i haven't met you in purpose on uh, you know in person but i've had a couple of conversations and i just i feel you and i'm i'm just very humbled to have you here on the show and i'm certainly glad just as your family is and all your friends and family that you did survive the accident and i know it wasn't easy but <laughs> you've got great purpose now and i'm i'm just glad to be your friend and and i'm and i'm humbled to have you here on the show so Thank is there anything so that you're welcome and, and i mean that and is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know or uh, anything that we didn't catch that you think needs to be known?
1: I mean, I, I know it's easier said than done because I've, I've felt that way before, but I just want to make sure that people know that all those things that you're feeling, it's okay. Um, But don't ever be afraid to reach out to somebody. And I think that's the hard part is there's that, that stigma, if you say something, then you're weak, or if you cry, then you're a baby, or, you know, all those little things, it's not, who cares what they think, it, it, you need to, there's somebody out there that can help you, I'm always here, I don't judge, I do not judge, oh my gosh, Um so I just, I just want them to, to know that they're not by themselves, they're not alone in feeling what they're feeling, and you're going to make it, I promise you, you're going to make it, Um, so don't, who cares what people think, uh, who cares what they feel as long as you know that you have somebody to talk to all the time. If you don't want to call the crisis text line, if you don't want to call the suicide hotline, there's always somebody else. And I know that I'm here no matter what. So I just don't want anyone to feel alone anymore.
0: (sighs) well thank you um gosh thank you annette wittenberger uh we wish you continued success with the wild ride called life and the Veterans story project and i uh you got me motivated again you know i i have called that suicide hotline uh wasn't easy and Mm -hmm. uh I'm glad that I did because now I get to meet interesting combat veterans like you that make me realize that was a, uh, that was a good move. And just uh, look forward to building the relationship. And if there's anything that we can do to help you on your endeavors, don't feel, uh, and I know you, I be careful what you wish for John. Right. But, you know, um, you know, reach out to us as well. We, we've got your back and, uh, I just appreciate your time in that. And I look forward to the future. Um, this relationship and, and helping people.
1: Thank you so much. I absolutely appreciate this.
0: You're certainly welcome. We'll be seeing you. You know it. Yes. God bless. Thank you. Before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.